podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and tonight I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Bradburn. We're here for the match day. This is a full-time reaction from Axom. Celtic 2, Hamilton 0 overall. Laura, what was your thoughts on that performance? Um, I think certainly um, the second half uh, or the second goal, I should say, uh, was a blessing and a curse because what it did was obviously tie the game up for us, but it also killed it off to a great extent. It became a bit of a training exercise after that, either because of um, the team's own lack of motivation to, to push for more goals or just because um, Hamilton didn't exactly make it too easy for us even though I don't think they are you know anything to write home about in terms of a team but at the end of the day um, regarding the way we've played recently in the last few results a victory of any description whether it's a dull one or an exciting one is, is one to be happy about I think so. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, just like you were in the first half, um, you know, with the Celtic TV in front of me and Sky Sports showing the Rangers game to my left, you're still hoping as a Celtic supporter um, every single game that we can claw something back. Until it's mathematically impossible, that's what you do as a football fan. I'm a realist. I know where we are. But you still hope that there's just a, a wee glimmer of light every time you're playing the game. Rangers are grinding out results, no matter where they go. I know that there's plenty of Celtic fans will point to a refereeing decision at Easter Road this evening, but they're getting the one nothing. So I think the most important thing is just concentrate on getting these wins. So uh, first and foremost, Philip Halloran comes in on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe because I think only about 20 or 30% of our viewers are subscribing. So um, click the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but you will get free content on a daily basis. And Philip is coming in to say, we won tonight. That's the main thing. Hail, hail. There are nights like that. Um, There always are, depending on um, this season or throughout the nine in a row season sometimes you're just thinking get the win get home and everyone will be happy Kaplan Mark comes on to say completely uninspiring a team with no direction or purpose now have to accept that this is where we are now 
We were concerned yesterday as the news kind of trickled through that Frimpong was on his way. That's been confirmed today. There was a suggestion that there was a, a parting swipe by Frimpong. Uh, no one could actually attribute that to the player, but there has been an official response by Frimpong, basically thanking the club, thanking Lenny, thanking the fans. Um, so again, fake news, Laura? I mean, it's one of these situations where I, I, I didn't see the post myself. I didn't hear anything about it um, until uh, I was watching the podcast. And so whether it was real or fake, whether it was one of these Instagram stories that comes and goes, um, I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, any professional worth their salt is going to, you know, try and leave the club on good terms wherever possible. And I think he's done the right thing coming out and putting to rest uh, any particular issues as far as that's concerned. I, I, I don't think regardless of any issue he would have had uh, that there would have been any issue with the fans. I think the support for him was clear while he was a player for us. And uh, I think hopefully for the majority of Celtic fans, you know, we'll see this is a good bit of business and, and wishing well for the future. As a Celtic fan, Laura, we've seen it so often over the over the, the kind of last few years where we bring in a player of, of real potential who won't be able to break into, let's say, PSG or Man City's first team. So we bring them in, we develop them. Um, as a Celtic fan, it's now pretty difficult to become attached to any player because you, even when it's one of your own, even when it's Kieran Tierney, in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, well, you know what, the time will come. Uh, and I think that's difficult for Celtic fans as well because what we see our, our, or view our team as being, our club as being, you know, um, there's a romanticism about that. We think everything that, that Celtic stands for is important. The nine, the ten in a row was important. But to a lot of modern footballers, we are just a stepping stone. Do you think um, a lot more Celtic fans are coming round to accepting that that's the situation? I think so. I think, um, to be honest, if, if, if you're not accepting of that situation, then... Um, it's only going to go one way because Henrik Larsson left us in what 2004 which is 16 years ago now and the fact that he stayed for seven years was seen as a rarity at the time mm. you know so you're talking about he was one of the last of his kind at that time and that was 16 years ago so you know for us to be sitting in 2021 sort of saying that we expect any kind of loyalty from any of these players uh, is is something that I don't know that we can hold on to very much. I would like to think there will still be the odd exception. Um, Callum McGregor and James Forrest are two of those that we still have just now. And, and I don't think that you need any more than the one or two odd ones because to be honest, you know, throughout your history, you, that out of every era of Celtic teams, you know, bear, bar the odd team like the Seville team or the, the Lisbon Lions or the Centenary team, very often uh, your memories are of individual players. It's not of a, an entire team of players. And so um, even if we can make sure that we have those kind of lasting loyal heroes, even one or two to build a team around, I think that's the way we go forward. And we just use the ones that come in and out of the club properly. We, we bring them in, develop them and sell them on for, for profit to, to sort of reinvest in the squad. So... Let's actually view it that we're using them just as much as they're using us then, Laura. 
I, I would say so. I mean, I, I think, I think as a club, we can spin it to our advantage. You know, we have a situation with Virgil van Dijk where we, we got him in at a fraction of the cost that we sold him for. He then goes again a couple of years later and becomes one of the most expensive players in British football history and we get a cut of that as well. You know, there's a there's a business model to how that can work um, and as long as you keep that in balance with um, having some of the homegrown talent and some of the the sort of players with Celtic at heart that the right mix of that can be the way that we can go forward as a modern club I think. I think it does it is important to Celtic because it's part of the identity of the club isn't it to be able to have that kind of association or an affinity with a player who's come through the ranks we think back to the legends of old who many of them went from the 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 jungle to playing for the side I mean you've mentioned Charlie Nicholas a couple of times tonight and he was one one such player um, you've also mentioned Turnbull uh, in the midfield and a player who obviously um, you compared him to earlier on this season Paul McStay was yeah. another one who went from Celtic fan to Celtic player so I, I, I do tell you the stick I got for that one by the way you did you did get a wee bit of stick I mean we will be mentioning a few other names from the past as well because obviously uh, Celtic were wearing black armbands tonight uh, due to two figures from the club's past we'll, we'll come to Dr Joe Vengloss and Shuggy Edvaldson at some point as well now James Pearson 88 is talking on YouTube he says game of two halves really lovely footwalk and build up play to our two goals but second half we look tired square passes forcing the ball great to get the victory but I wouldn't say it's perfect I think that um, I felt you know a wee bit frustrated myself James I would agree with that uh, I think when we've got uh, a team like Hamilton who are the worst team in the league they're sitting bottom of the league they're always fighting relegation Hamilton and I think you know Chipper Rice does a great job um, of you know week in week out trying to lift that side on a shoestring but you know once we go to 2 nothing up quite early in the second half that's when we should be looking to try and do it with a bit of panache, do it with a wee bit of flair, because, you know, the Celtic support is watching that, and it is a wee bit uninspiring, we're, you know, the, the tempo of the game is kind of drawn out, we're passing it from side to side, we're not really seeing the, the build-up play, the scintillating play that we would expect. Do you think, Laura, at that stage, that's when Neil Lennon should be looking at it and saying, you know what, I'm going to utilise the substitutes at that point? Yeah, I think so. I think that's one of the main frustrations that a lot of Celtic fans would be having, even if we were in a situation where we were winning more matches. You know, that was what was so um, amazing about Brendan Rodgers' time in charge. You knew that if he got a couple of early goals, you were probably in for a good afternoon or a good night because they never let their foot off the pedal. They always went for the throat. And we're in a situation as well where it's not just a case of entertaining the fans at home. If there was any chance at all of us catching up points wise we're still got a deficit to to Rangers in terms of goals so we should be taking every opportunity we can to to take that goal difference back down to as a minimum as possible and you know a few five even maybe six nil wins sprinkled in there can do a lot to to cut that majorly down uh, so I come away from it feeling a little bit disappointed that when you're 2-0 up within a few minutes of the second half that you don't go on to capitalise on that 
Uh, a couple of interesting points coming through uh, on the comments section from YouTube Funkman05. That sounded like a team going through the motions, go two up and then just down tools and subbing players for no reason. Did a Yeti even touch the ball? And James comes back in to say good for a Yeti to get minutes. But James feels that uh, Mikey Johnson and Welsh uh, should probably get minutes ahead of St Mirren. It was a good opportunity uh, to give them minutes also. Crossball still give us problems. Turnbull doesn't make the 90 again. Does that concern you at all, David Turnbull, failing to, to play the full 90 minutes? I, I can only assume that there there's a specific reason for it because I don't ever think that I've seen him come off and thought that was the right decision to take him off the park. He's always been performing uh, reasonably well or in some cases been the best player on the pitch when he's been taken off. Um, so I can only assume there's some background reason for that. I would hope that whatever the issue is, uh, he's not going to go uh, on to become a kind of Tom Rodic who is notorious for not playing 90 minutes at any point. Um, uh but if it has just been a case of, you know, wanting to give other players uh, minutes on the park, there's there could have been opportunities to to take other people off. You know, Callum McGregor seems to play ninety minutes week out, week in, week out, and has done for years now. Um, even the chance to give him a slight rest might have been an option rather than Turnbull and let let Turnbull get ninety minutes under his belt just to see how he holds up. I agree with that and I think the worst time to uh, give McGregor a rest was in the League Cup against Ross County you know so it is all about squad management isn't it there's quite a lot of comments coming in Ewan Boy Martin says it was bland a win but not impressed whereas Linda Grace Watson comes in to say bland is not what watching Celtic should be and also we have Ewan Boy coming in still not a great performance very average and I think you know the win is all important of course it is but what you want is you want some kind of um, encouragement that you know you, you get this impression you've heard about uh, it's come from Celtic it's come from Neil Lennon that we've got people who are unhappy playing for the club you one of them obviously has left today and what you want to see is you want to see some of the players that perhaps don't look interested you want to see them up in the tempo a bit don't you I mean Roger came on he didn't have much minutes on the park but he's a guy that for me I know everything that he's done for the club and a couple of times this season he's looked good but he just has that knack of looking completely disinterested there, there does seem to be a lack of tempo at times and it's uh, it's a bit concerning and we've raised it time and time again that kind of post 65-70 minutes Laura we do look tired we do look fatigued is that again something that we need to address by getting as many subs on as possible, freshen it up. I think, you know, the bigger issue that we've all discussed previously is that fitness in general is an issue, whether it's the training uh, regimes, whether it's diet or whatever's happening. We're certainly not looking as fit in general as we have done under previous managers. Um, but while that's the case, and if and if nothing's going to be done behind the scenes to improve that, then we have to take advantage of this, this extra substitution drill that we've got this season. And, you know, rotate quickly, especially in a situation where, with all due respect to Hamilton, they never looked like they were going to pull themselves back into the game, so there was no risk, really, to, to changing anybody or taking anybody off or putting anybody on. There was there was nobody there that you would have thought, coming off the bench, uh, they'll not do the job. So, um, I would have utilised it fully tonight, um, either that or, like I said before, if you're going to not utilise it as heavily, then go for the throat go for the four, five, six goals and try and get make a real statement. Because at the end of the day, 
a, a slightly dull 2-0 win against Hamilton is is excusable if you're putting in great performances any other week. Um, but off the back of the run that we've had, a 2-0 dull win against Hamilton is not going to satisfy people and it isn't because we, we expect the team to come out and try and make a point and try and uh, you know prove the, prove the doubters wrong basically say you know if Lee Griffiths is coming out in the paper and defending the manager uh, against everything that we're criticising him for then show us why we, should, we shouldn't be criticising show him why he's such a good coach to you and, and come out and put the performance in that proves that no, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Now, Sean Ross is coming in via YouTube to say build a team around Sorrow and Turnbull. Sorrow got the man of the match tonight. I, I don't think I would disagree with that. When I look at the Celtic side, Laura, we understand that you know a player comes in and there's a cycle. So that player comes in and it's Van Dyke. There's a cycle, then he leaves. Wanyama. Dembele, we know that Edward's coming to the end of that cycle, he's going to be off. The unfortunate thing that I think has happened with this squad is that too many of those players are coming to the end of the cycle all at the same time and, and you've got four or five, maybe six players who will be leaving, but they're pivotal to the squad. You know, Ayer, Christie, hopefully not McGregor, um, Edward, and of course Frimpong is already away. Um, when you're looking at that team and you're trying to, to pinpoint the positives moving forward... You know, if a new management team team is going to come in in the summer, they're going to be looking at the positives such as Sorrow and Turnbull and thinking, you know, let's build the team around those two players. Unfortunately, I can't see guys like Ayer being here long term. So I look at the defence and I wonder who is who's going to be the the, the keystone of that that defence. I mean, I don't think we've got one at the moment. To be totally honest with you, yes, uh, Taylor is young enough, but I don't think he's been imposing or influential enough. We don't have that at the moment. Um, Ayer comes out of that side and we really are struggling. Top top of the pitch, you know, Griffiths is more of the experienced player in the same category as, as James Forrest and Callum McGregor. Who's coming through to take the Eddie's crown? Is it a Yeti? It doesn't look likely at the moment. I mean, he might turn it around. It's certainly not Kamal, if you ask me. So, you know, it's it's quite a grim when you look at that and about the only two kind of highlights you can see is Sorrow and Turnbull. But I take Sean's point. I think that is, you know, what we base our rebuild on. I would say so. Um, I think Sorrow and Turnbull are, like you say, with so many of the other players that we have coming to the end of their cycle, um, Sorrow and Turnbull are really only at the start of theirs. If we can keep hold of them for another three, four years even, they're still relatively young, the pair of them. So um, I, I build the team around them build their profile um, I think they can pr- provide success for us what I would hate to happen to them is that the rest of the team crumbles around them and they're left uh, they're left kind of carrying the can for a number of years through a through a transition period that I feel is definitely coming um, Turnbull might end up being more like McStay in a lot of ways if that did happen but um, not for the positive you know but I, I think we can be too negative about that sometimes as well. You know, when Dembele left, when Musa Dembele left, we were in a situation where we wondered if we would find somebody to replace him. And I know that there was a bit of overlap between him and Eduard, but Eduard proved to be as much of a, a linchpin to the team uh, in the years since Dembele's left as Dembele was beforehand. So, you know, I think um, 
while it is easy to get downcast about the players that are, are leaving, I think that there's always the opportunity to, for the next uh, sort of hero to come in and, and take their place. Now, Lee Griffiths comes off in 68 minutes. Um, is that a concern for you, Laura? Because, I mean, we're now we're moving into February and Lee Griffiths still can't uh, be at full throttle for 90 minutes. And We've already mentioned Turnbull. I can understand Turnbull. You know, he, he went a long time without football after such a, a lengthy layoff uh, until he comes in against Lille. But Lee Griffiths, he, he's someone that you would hope at this stage of the season would be fit enough to, to finish the 90 minutes. But it looks at, at the moment that he isn't. No, I, he does. They certainly doesn't look so as if he is. Um, and I think at the start of the season, with the issues he was having with fitness, they've been very slow to resolve themselves. Whether at this point he's going to prove himself to be fit enough for a full ninety towards the end of the season uh, seems unlikely now. What would concern me more is. Uh, you know, if if Eduard, for example, if a last minute bid came in for him that we couldn't refuse, or if he experienced an injury of some description, then your your main striker becomes Griffiths, and you've either then got to use Klamala or Ajeti, neither of whom have shown anything that proves they can be trusted in the long term. So you're in a situation where we've got four strikers. Uh, which is what the ideal situation should be for any team that regularly plays two up front. Four should be more than enough to get you through a season. And actually what we've got is four on paper, but actually only one that we would absolutely want to see on the the team sheet every week. Lee Griffiths is absolutely fantastic when he's... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. On the pitch, but if he can't last 90 minutes, then then he can only be so effective. And, um, and I think that he definitely needs to up his game in terms of fitness if we're going to be able to rely on him towards the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've won 2-0 tonight and the, the strikers get on the score sheet, which is tremendous. I uh, don't think many people would argue that we're better with two up top. Eddie and Griff are the two uh, first choices, absolutely no doubt about it. How do you then get into a situation that, for me, if you know Edward was to be lost for any reason, Laura, I actually think Neil Lennon would go one up top. Um, how do we get into that situation when we've got four strikers? I mean, Ayeti comes in from West Ham. He comes in, um, obviously, with a bit of uh, kudos, a bit of, you know, he's got credentials, he's got calibre. £5 million from the EPL. He still doesn't look fit for me either. But again, how are you going to get fit? He's not getting enough minutes. Uh, He was pretty ineffective when he came on tonight, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, It's going to be difficult to get that third striker uh, up to the point where we can trust them. 
Yeah, because at the moment it looks like Ajeti is still the one that you would go with out of him and Klamala, but not for any other reason than he's played slightly more minutes and obviously got a few more goals. Um, but neither of them look particularly up to up to scratch. But like you say, that fitness is going to be a big issue for them if they have to come in. Uh, you know, Griffiths is in a situation where game time can't be his excuse for lack of fitness because he's getting that game time. Uh, Ajeti and Klamala would have to be excused for a while because they would need four, five, six games to get up to speed. And we're already at a point where we've not got really very many games left in the season. So mm. would they would they even be able to get up to match fitness before the end of the season? Maybe if they came into the to the team against St Mirren but uh, beyond that you know they would be struggling the thing with Griffiths and, and what comes with the fitness is sharpness you know his goal was brilliant superb uh, strike by Griffiths but there was two two chances in the first half one of which was what I would describe as a, an absolute sitter and that was from McGregor's cross and he's you know he's kind of not made himself but um, that sharpness comes with the fitness as well for a striker Laura so mm-hmm. you're looking at a difference between seven goals and, and 20 goals for Griffiths if he's missing a couple of chances like that you, you're hoping that he can get his goal scoring touch back um, now Highland Parry 2 comes in to, to bring up the point that Encham wasn't on the bench hope we sell in this window was he not on the bench due to the, the fact that he was a Covid casualty do you think Laura? Well I think that's um, I think that's something we need to appreciate um, obviously even though they are young fit guys um, this virus can affect people in different ways you've also got to consider the fact that Encham himself is um, is black or in the evidence suggests that ethnic minorities suffer the, the effects of the virus more severely. So this is all speculation, obviously. But, you know, you've got to, you can't un, un, like sort of rule out the fact that he's maybe been more severely affected than just mild symptoms. And when it when it's a virus that mainly affects your lungs, then that's going to be a major issue for any footballer, particularly a midfielder who's having to, you know, very often cover most of the blades of grass on the pitch. So, I hope that's not the case because um, if it is the case, it might take him a while to come back. But if it is the case, then obviously you would want to wish him well. When I, when I was looking at the, the squad at the beginning of the season, Laura, and we were obviously, you know, supplementing that with new signings, I was expecting to lose a few. And I, I kept saying that uh, the areas of the pitch that we could afford to lose players and sell players w- was basically that that area of the pitch, you know, Tom Rogic. Uh, Olivier and Cham I still believe that to be the case but we've already lost uh, Frimpong there are rumours flying about constantly about Ryan Christie but I would much rather you know look at Rogic and Cham but what's the selling value now for players like that who really haven't you know made a, a big contribution this season I mean what were we talking about Rogic at the beginning of the year it was 4 million quid and Celtic fans are looking back at the, the great Rogic moments and thinking you know at one point he was worth double that he was worth more than that but actually when you're trying to get a 20 grand player off your, your wage bill 20 grand a week player you're not going to get much more than three and a half to four million in the current climate are you i wouldn't say so i mean i think i think any chance that you had of getting a major um fee for the players uh concerned would have uh already been reduced by the current situation going on. Combine that with the fact that none of them are playing at the top of their game, then you're absolutely going to have to end up minimising exactly how much you get in for them. 
I don't want us to therefore then resort to selling players on the cheap because we have to get some sort of cash flow in. Um, but it might end up being a serious consideration that they have to make because as it's looking right now, you know, p- potential that anybody buying a season ticket might not even get in uh, at the start of next season. So um, we just need to we just need to sort of batten down the hatches as far as that's concerned and see where it takes us. Now we spoke we spoke at the top of the show, Laura, about the effect of young players coming in and then basically being ditched either to the bench or completely out of the twenty man squad. And we had a bit of sympathy for Connor uh, Hazard, obviously he played a massive part in winning the Scottish Cup against Hearts. But there are some points coming through. One of note from Stephen McLeavy: Barkas has been thrown under the bus too many times. Now I, I totally get that point. He comes back from his injury where he's collided with Duffy and he's fit to play but Lenny sticks with Hazard then all of a sudden against Dundee United Barkas appears back in, in goals and now he's he's disappeared again I mean how often can a goalkeeper take that kind of blow to the confidence do you honestly think that Barkas might be on his way to Celtic are we looking maybe to cut our losses on the goalie I can only assume that that's the case because if it's not, then what Neil Lennon's done is managed to um, absolutely obliterate the confidence of both or two of the goalkeepers at the club. You know, when when Connor Hazard played the the cup final, instead of coming out and saying uh, he did well enough to win as the match with his performance in the penalty shootout, at least, um, instead of coming out and backing him and saying, you know, he's played in one of our biggest matches, let's go keep with him and and back him publicly, he came out and said, no, Barkas is my number one, and uh, that's why he was brought to the club. If you're going to do that, then you have to follow through on that, and you have to make it clear that he's your number one. I do not know what reason he didn't play for tonight. Uh, There's no reported injury that I'm aware of. Um, We haven't played for, you know, since last Wednesday. So it's not as if we've had a a huge amount of games where he's just thought rotation was required. The only reason I can think he's not played him is, like you say, because he's maybe in the process of of leaving the club uh, Mm. to cut his losses. I can't think of any other explanation for it, really. There's a couple of points coming in about the two strikers who aren't playing at the moment, Laura. Uh, Zinko Vicks reckons that a Yeti needs to go out on loan. We need a new striker. And Mark O'Brien feels sorry for Klamala. Tried his best every game, but not a Lenny favourite. There is no doubt that Klamala is a trier, isn't he? He's a worker. He's a bit of a workhorse. He, you know, he'll run all day. Um, you know, we all cheered when he scored against St. Johnston that day after getting absolutely uh, clattered. Gets up, pulls himself up, and I agree finish he's showing little flashes of it but it's very difficult for a player to go three four weeks with nothing to be thrown on and make an impact and that's what we're seeing with the yeti and klamala um we don't have the room uh, the wiggle room to to give players up front a game because we're trying to get partnerships we're trying to develop a partnership at the back because of injuries we're trying to get our best partnership up top because we can't we simply cannot fall any further uh, behind Rangers at this stage so I do feel for Klamala um, Ayeti for me um, I just think that Initially, the, the signs were very, very good. And of course, at that time, we weren't playing Griffiths. Griffiths was completely out of the picture. Um, but, you know, he's become a bit of an enigma 
You know, there's no doubt about um, his ability. You just need to look at what he's done as a footballer. Um, the performances that for Bal that got him the big move to the English Premier League. And then he comes up here, starts off brilliant, and then just tails off. Another point to note, I guess, is Luxall sitting on the bench tonight. I mean, he was a revelation. First five or six games, tailed off. Now he's not even a first pick. Um, that happens, absolutely. I'm not sitting here looking for reasons to have a dig at, at Lenny by saying that players um, re every time they play for him but you know it seems to be a, a theme and a reoccurring theme of the Celtic side would that um, concern you at all or do you look at some of these players and think you know what they still have a part to play this season I think for in Klamala's case I think the comment from the from the viewer was pretty much bang on I think uh, Lennon has suffered from having favourites and, and having people who he definitely does not consider favourites and I think Klamala, Klamala very firmly falls into that category I don't think that while he's not been absolutely outstanding I don't think as you said that you can fault his work rate and I think where strikers are concerned you very rarely find a striker who works hard and doesn't get goals um, it's very much a, a, a position where putting the, the work in will get you into the right places to, to score the goals and maybe maybe there is more to him there um, but it smacks of uh, not being a Lennon favourite and perhaps pop possibly not even being a Lennon choice to have come in uh, and is that the reason that he's not playing we'll, we'll never really know the full story but what what's uh, clear is that while everybody's going on about the waste of money that Duffy um, Ajeti and Barkas have been uh, I think the fee that was paid for Klamala um, was something around three and a half million and he's seen less game time than the rest of them so that's another huge chunk of cash that uh, through for me through no fault of the player uh, himself has been a, a huge waste of money for us I know uh, you know he comes in at the same time as Sorrow um, he was in and around the team far earlier than Sorrow was but you look at the impact that he's made um, and I, I keep saying you know a player like Klamala we surely as a club with the investment we have in youth and the fact that uh, we have the pick of the best players in the country and we have had for the last decade what have we produced from that you know because we should be able to produce a player at least of the ability of Patrick Klamala would he be anywhere near the first team would Klamala be anywhere near the first team had we not spent three and a half million pound on him my answer would be absolutely not now there's a message coming in from Facebook the chase is on hail hail now I was brought up with fairy tales at Celtic <laughs> my, the first season I started going to the games was the centenary year so that whole season was built on fairy tales and even I don't think the chase is on um, you know it's one of these things that until it's mathematically impossible there is always a tiny wee glimmer of hope but you're watching the game tonight I didn't really believe that, you know, Hibs were going to get anything at Easter Road. And by the, the, the same token, I didn't think Celtic were going to drop anything tonight. There's going to be many more days like this between now and the, the end of the season. And the other thing to say as well is, like you said, we were playing the worst team by a, by a significant amount in the league tonight. Mm -hmm. And we didn't blow them away. I, I don't see us going through, even with the, the number of games left, I don't see us going through the rest of the season, uh, especially when the split happens uh, without dropping more points. There's much better teams than Hamilton in the league and I think we'll be showing up for that if we don't uh, up our game significantly. Well, this is the thing with regards to the, the goal difference, Laura. We need to win absolutely every game and look for another few snookers um, along the way. So... 
you know, it is unlikely, it's got to be said. We'll be covering it every step of the way. But as I said bef- at the very beginning of the, the, the post-match, Laura, um, you know, Celtic were wearing black armbands tonight, and that was in tribute to Dr Joe Venglos, our ex-manager, and Johannes Shuggy Edvaldson, who actually was signed by Sean Fallon. This was during the season when, you know, Jock's team had been involved in a, a near-fatal car crash, and a whole season um, was required for him to recuperate. Sean Fallon, the uh, trusted uh, assistant manager, came in and took the team for the entire season. Uh, it looked brilliant for the best part of that season and we kind of tailed off near the end. But one thing he did do is he brought in players like Ed Valdson. He also brought in Johnny Doyle, who went on to be part of that famous 10 men uh, winning the league team, as did Shuggy. And he introduced a lot of the young players that that then, you know, represented Celtic for many, many years to come. So Sean Fallon had a big part in uh, Shuggy's Celtic career. But, I mean, Vengloss was a player, I believe or not, I'm too uh, young to remember uh, Ed Valdson, but I, I do remember, of course, uh, Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe taking over from Vim Janssen. Brilliant signing record when you look at the fact that he brings in Viduka, Mialbe, Moravchik. What's your memories of that era at Celtic, Laura? I mean, I was uh, the f- the first real Celtic team I remember falling in love with was the Tommy Burns team, so the the cadet Van Hoydonk de Canio team. So that was always going to be a very hard one to follow up on, um, and winning the league with Van Janssen certainly did as much of that as possible. Um, I think uh, what I remember of Doctor Joe and what what is coming across in the in the comments and the reflections on on the time he had at Celtic was. You know, it was treated, and I remember even even as a kid, I would read the papers and, and that kind of thing. He was treated absolutely atrociously. Now, he, he didn't have a, a brilliant record. I think I did um, some statistics uh, last week, and he certainly came out, you know, in the season he was sacked, he was by far the worst uh, manager of the last 20 years in terms of um, points and things. But the one thing that you can't take away from him, like he says, his signing record or his the way he held himself, the way he conducted himself, he was he was treated abhorrently in some corners of the press for various reasons um, and, uh, you know, he, he came in a bit of a joke figure, this Doctor Who, and that was just like, you were talking to David Slate last, uh, today that was actually, um, and he was saying it was just a symptom of the kind of parochial way in which the Scottish uh, press used to uh, operate and I think that was he was a major victim of that I think you only need to look at what people are saying about him now to realise very often um, success and everything comes and it goes and you um, can be remembered for that but you can also be remembered for the type of person that you are and people remember him very fondly even though he was probably one of our least successful managers you know if 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 current people at the club had handled them the way that he did then maybe we wouldn't have quite the opinions of them that we do have even though we are kind of crumbling and I think I think people need to remember that uh, you know somebody who is uh, manages themselves and handles themselves with dignity is much more fondly remembered in spite of their lack of achievement than somebody who does the opposite I think. 
No, you're right. And his legacy, obviously, is uh, people like Moravchik. Uh, you look at Vaduka, and as Kevin Graham quite rightly said on Monday, you know, the trade-off was basically we sold Vaduka, we bought Chris Sutton. So you then start looking into the Martin O'Neill era two seasons uh, later, where Mialbi was a massive part of that. You know, Moravchik was coming to the end of his career, of course, but he gave us some fantastic memories. And one thing that stuck with me, I was reading some of the, the comments that had been made over the years and I was reading a, an interview from Jock Brown and what he said was a, there was a conversation between him and Dr Joe where he said, you know, the difference between a good side and a bad uh, and a great side is a good side might have one game changer whereas a great side might have three. Uh, we've only got one and that's uh, Henrik Larsson. So the second one that he wanted was Lubo Moravchik. So they went to watch him. When we look at this Celtic side, um, Laura, how many game changers have we got on this side? Is it only Eduard, do you still think that, that Griff is a game changer? I actually think that uh, game changers in the mould of a Moravchik or a Larson who really can produce moments of magic, I, I think Turnbull could fit into that category in, t- category in time. Um, the longer he's at the club, the more experience he gets, the more confidence he hopefully builds. I really think he can be the player we can rely on to like unlock defences and, and provide those moments of magic um, Rodjic has provided that in the past for us but uh, I don't think he does it consistently enough uh, to be considered in that particular bracket um, and apart from that yeah yeah, you're struggling you know I, to me to me Larson was magical um, and Lubo was magical but in a very different way you know he, he Lubo wasn't all about goals, even though he could take free kicks with either foot and he could score goals from outside the box. But very often it was just wee moments of magic between the midfield and the strike force that he could, uh, that he could, uh, you know, supply. I, I don't think, you know, for example, a Sutton coming up to, to Celtic would have been as successful without a Moravchik there to, to put things on a plate for him so um, but yeah from the current from the current setup, I think David Turnbull given time could have that but I'd be struggling to name somebody else who, who I think fits into that category I think one of the things that Kevin Graham always says about uh, Dr Joe's time is that he really needed to get uh, a full pre-season and he needed to get his signings in uh, in that pre-season all these years later it's the same old story at Celtic but Paul Patrick makes that point Big Viduka going AWOL as soon as he signed didn't help absolutely because you've seen the quality of Mark Viduka when he did come back from that um, exile but yeah we will remember them in our thoughts and prayers tonight Celtic got a 2-0 win comprehensive enough and we look ahead to Saturday's game against St Mirren. Thanks everybody for getting involved on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. We're here all season and beyond covering every single move at Celtic Park. All that's left for me to say is Laura Bradburn. Thanks again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.